This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 753, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, and doing their part. Poisonous. Poisonous paragraph, smash your phone the graph in half. It be the inspector deck on the warpath. First class, leaving mites with a cast. Causing ruckus like the aftermath on guns blast. Run fast. Here comes the verbal assaulter. Rhymes running wild like a child in a walker. I scored from the inner slums abroad. And my thoughts are ready to start. I slice the mic from the court. First criticize. Hello, welcome to my fanboy. Pick of the week, episode 753. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I am here with Josh Flanagan. I can confirm that you are Connor Kilpatrick, and I am Josh Flanagan. That's all correct. We can move along. We like to double source all information. <laughs> I had to go to the, the registrar of deeds just for this show. <laughs> Well, we we don't like to half-ass it, you know. No, we're not we're not known for half-assing anything. <laughs> well, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> we are I fanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books from the week, the patron pick. Maybe this week we'll do some listener mail. It'll be good. It'll be fun. Everyone needs a little fun in their lives, and that's why we're here. <laughs> that's and it's we're not even doing it for you. <laughs> not doing it for you. <laughs> Doing it for us. Uh, it just we're we're going to share that fun with you. That's that's what's going on here. And occasionally we will sell ads against that fun. But that not, was also, but not this week. <laughs> on TV again last couple days ago, I watched it. Yeah. Uh, spoiler warning: review show. There'll probably be spoilers, although we try to avoid them if possible. But sometimes we can't. This week, Josh had the pick. Yeah. The pick of the week this week is The Devil's Bride number one from Vault Comics. It's uh, written by Sebastian Gurner, uh, who you may know from the shirtless Bear Fighter, which is which mm. is nothing else a memorable title. Um, art by John Bivens, colors by Iris Monahan, and letters by Jeff Powell. Uh, so this book was fun and it was pretty good, but a lot of reason that we're talking about this is that I I had nothing. I had nothing this week. And wow. so then I switched to the mode of like what wasn't the best book, but what was the one that I was like, well, this is different than everything else I'm reading, and it's very enjoyable. Um, so I just saw this as a number one, and uh, I thought, all right, sure, I'll try that. I've been into Usagi Yojimbo lately, and I, I liked uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Sure, let's let's read a samurai story. Um, I think the pleasantly surprising thing about it was that a, as far as I can tell. There is no supernatural element. So this is this goes back to all those stories from Dark Horse that we talk about. And it's like, oh, it's just pirates. Right. So this is just samurai. It's off to a good start. Two, mm-hmm. like at the very first couple of pages, I thought, oh, this is just going to be more of this crap. But as it kept going, actually, I really did get into it. And then there's a twist at the end that sort of explains what's going on. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is this is really interesting. And I, you know, I thought basically one of the things I thought was, if Mark Russell had done this in a Red Sonia book, I'd have been all over it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, getting through uh, this book, I, I, I said, oh, I really enjoyed that. I want to read more of it. And it was a new and different thing from everything else that I had read this week. Um, and it's basically, what you've got is uh, there's a when you go into feudal Japan, there's always warring clans, and so there's mm-hmm. a big battle. Uh, it's very violent and bloody, and then this 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 uh, you know, reddish devil samurai person comes through and and you know saves the day. 
and then we cut forward in time, and and I don't actually know if it's a time jump. Doesn't matter. Uh, a, a drunken jerky samurai comes out of a, a a bar. What do they call them? What would they call them? Not bars. An inn. We'll call it an inn. And we find out that he is supposed to protect these people as they go up over the mountains, but he's kind of an asshole and he's mean to the lady who's with him. And so out of the three year three year time jump. Okay, there you go. And so out of the shadows comes this woman who has one of those big crazy samurai masks on that goes over the face a little bit that looked very strange. Um but I'd seen them because I'd read a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid. Back when it was really about that stuff. Um and uh teaches the man a lesson, basically. Uh, cuts mm-hmm. him down, does a bunch of stuff, and then meets the travelers he was supposed to take, and and the journey commences. Um, and then the other thing is we go back, then we go back in time to after the battle, and we. F- this is your spoiler. I, I don't know how to get around this because it's not interesting unless this is the part. The 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 red devil samurai comes back into the the um the tent, and everybody thinks that this is the new the prince or the emperor not the emperor but the new like sort of leader of this clan and he's just a kid and everybody doubts him but he comes out and he fights you know like a devil and then we find out that the actual prince is hiding inside a chest inside that tent and the the one who is fighting is his sister and so they they switch places and he he takes off her lady clothes and she puts on his armor and tells him what to do uh you know to go rally the troops and, and all that and uh I thought oh, that's interesting. I haven't seen this story, and and well, there's... well, well hold on. Okay. First of all, you didn't see this coming from the cover. No, I didn't look at the cover. Um, I mean, you've seen it before, like Aowen and Lord of the Rings, and I, I, I assume this is what Mulan's about. Not, not just that it no, not just that it's a man, but there's the switcheroo happening. You know, like this. So there's like a power struggle or what, like whatever. They're actively, like they're actively high, switching those. That's yeah, yeah, I'm... yeah. Um, I mean, either way, I, I. I expected nothing of reading this. I thought I'm gonna try this thing. I bought, I bought it. I said, "Hey," and uh, you know, at the end, of those, that's interesting enough that I really want to see how this goes next. And I, you know, I love tough guy samurai stuff as much as the next. You know, that one person, that Usagi Ojimbo character, who mm-hmm. Usagi Ojimbo is also very good this week. But you know, this wasn't bunnies. Um, and you know, it, it was. I'm, I'm. I gotta say, I think I'm getting a little tired. A lot of the the superhero comics that are going on right now. Uh, you know, and it was a, sort of a nice little diversion, and I I came to enjoy it more as I was reading through it, and that's kind of always the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where you, you know, the, the, we read a lot of books, and we're like, okay, we'll try this new issue out, and by the end, you're just like, please make this stop, and there'll be one of those we're talking about later today. Um, so that's where we are, straight up, uh, samurai story, no zombies or aliens or or mystical forces. Dead people talking to the past, just sword fighting and some political intrigue, and I'm mm. I'm I'm all right with it. I'm good with it. It was fun. You know, a couple, I don't know, a month or so ago, we got an email asking why we didn't read more comics from the upstart publishers. One of them was Vault mm-hmm. that was mentioned, and last week we read American Ronin. Was yeah. that also Vault? No, that was H- no, that, that was, was Upshot. HMS Penafor? No. You keep saying Upshot. Upshot's not the publisher. It's like AWS Studio. Whatever. Um, and we said because mostly they're pretty boring, and that's what this was. Yeah. This was pretty boring. Uh, it was very middle of the road for me. I, I finished it, and I was like, well, everything about that was average. And I was pretty shocked to see you picked it. But I could understand why, but I, yeah. I didn't. 
I I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that as a thing, but I think it had a little something to do with with my mood, and I saw a little bit of um, uh, promise in sort of going forward because also, uh, the, uh, first issues can be kind of a slog a lot of times anyway because they're trying to put a lot of things there. So I thought well, I want to know what happens in this story next, and that to mm-hmm. me, it, you know, it makes it a successful enough issue. But I just. I like the genre. I haven't read any fun stuff from that genre in a while outside of Usagi Ojimbo. So, uh, well, I mean, there, there, there's not a lot to read. So, yeah, it, and 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 honestly, like I looked at every other book. I, it was it was a pretty light week. Um, I went through everything, and you, the best I could say about most of the books that it is that they were they were the, the same thing that I had liked about them before, mm-hmm. but it wasn't bringing anything else to the table. Um, like I said, not it's it's not like the greatest issue uh, ever. It was really one of those. Oh, I I dug this this week, uh, and there's something there. Well, there you go. So that's your pick of the week. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna keep reading it. I am. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know what my pick would have been. I had a, several books I could have made the pick. I had, I had a lot of books this week, but uh, definitely in the conversation was Rorschach number one, Tom King, Jorge Fornes, Dave Stewart, Clayton Cowles. And it was interesting because, as with everything to do with Watchmen, there was a hue and a cry when when it was announced. There was a hue and a cry when it came out. I saw people denigrating it online, and I finished it, and I thought, I don't know what you would possibly denigrate this book for. It was like the most inoffensive possible story. In fact, if you look at all of Tom King's series, all of his number one issues is probably the least compelling of all of them. Yes. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. And not that it's not good. It was very good, but like, you know, if you look at Mr. Miracle or Strange Adventures or The Sheriff of Babylon or Vision, you probably put it at the bottom in terms of shockingness. Like, nothing shocking happened in this book. It wasn't like he didn't... I don't know. I, I just try to figure out what where the animosity comes from other than the elemental animosity between, with anything to do with Watchmen other than the TV show, apparently. Oh, I think it's... Uh, I, I mean, I think that that's a big part of it, but I also think it's just momentum. Like, it's one of those things... It's one of those moral crusades that a lot of comics folks have taken on, mm-hmm. and they can't seem to separate Alan Moore. It's funny because like there's this one thing where like everyone seems to hate Alan Moore now, but everybody's mm-hmm. super into defending the integrity of his work, and right. I, I think it it all of that is somewhat uh, antithetical to the essential nature of superhero and mainstream comic books. So this is a black label miniseries. So, you know, look at it as an Elseworld story where sometime in the present, which is long after the events of Watchmen, uh, a man in a Rorschach costume is killed while try- supposedly trying to assassinate a presidential candidate along with a young girl who's also in a costume. And so the mister, there's an investigator. It's still very... Which is funny because... You know, Watchmen took place in the '80s, but this this is like squarely like in the '70s, in terms of like hairstyles and. Clothing. Yeah, but wasn't there like a cell phone or something? There was. There's a beeper. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But then, so I noticed the beeper, and I was like, maybe that places me in time. And then later, I think there was another. I think they were talking about the internet. Well, what I mean by the '70s is the aesthetic is. I don't, I don't yes. think it takes place in the '70s. Right. I mean, no. The no, no I, yeah. I agree. Well, the, but in the comic book, the aesthetic is is one of your signposts to know sort of where right. you are in time. But yes, and you're I, right. You know, it felt like a '70s Redford movie. It at one point, 
I don't. They say, they say at some point how long ago it was that that Rorschach died. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was, but it was a long time. You've really got to take notes on these books in order to talk yeah. about them at the show, and I don't do that, and so <laughs> I sound like an idiot. Just thousands. Of, I don't remember he had pants on. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, now there's an investigation about who, what, what happened here, who this guy is, because there's no real record of this this old man who was shot. He was in his 80s and was very spry. Um, and uh, it may or may not be the actual Rorschach who died at the end of Watchmen, and also there's an oblique reference to the events of Oklahoma, which would tie, which would tie it mm-hmm. into the TV show as well. Um, Jorge Fornas, we know, you know, Tom King discovered him, used him on Batman. He's everywhere now. He's terrific. This was one of the best looking books of the week. Yes, Dave and, Stewart uh, on colors. Dave Stewart between the two of them, it was just beautiful. It, it didn't like blow me away. Mm-hmm. Like I said, if you look at all the number ones, it's probably the least compelling, but it felt very much like a LA noir seventies detective story that happens to revolve around the Watchmen characters. And there'll obviously be a lot more going on here than meets the eye because mm-hmm. there's the, there's the comic artist who drew the famous pirate comics not the one from the book, because in the in the Watchmen world, pirates are as big as superheroes, and something to do with that. And there's the original Watchmen characters, and who knows? But I was very intrigued by it, and I really enjoyed it. I wasn't. In that, I just couldn't find a hook into it. Like it was well done and everything, but I didn't really know the stakes that we were working with. And I don't, we don't really know any of the characters because, you know, Rorschach is supposed to be dead. So it's a whole bunch of other people and this investigator who, I mean, again, you're right. These books build. And so at the beginning, you kind of, I kind of have to go on faith with them that it will sort of build to a crescendo, which is what yep. all the other ones do. But because of the fact that, like, I, I don't really, I've never felt a need for more Rorschach in my life. Mm-hmm. And if I had a protest, it would be that, like, that's a rough character to get behind for all sorts of reasons. But, you know, it's also a story where he died, you know, and he should have. And that was a very compelling and interesting story point that. So if you're going to go for now, now comics are made to break these rules and it has happened many, many times before. But I did. I didn't manage to find anything other than like this is a really good looking and seemingly well constructed book, but I didn't like make me feel anything. I suppose, and I think that's normal for his first issues. If Maybe. you recall, we didn't really find this first issue of Strange Adventures that interesting, and I don't think you liked the first issue of Mister Miracle. Um, I think that, I think there's a lot that he does in the first issue that makes it very vague, and and you're not sure what you're reading mm-hmm. until until later. And 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 I'm not gonna not read the next one. I'm gonna keep going on it. But um, yeah. But my, I mean, my excitement level was low even to begin with. In that, you know, I think there's. I don't think it. There's. It's a moral imperative that making Watchmen comics is wrong. But it it is also like it's not super interesting to me. That's why mm-hmm. I think the show, the the HBO series was so. I wasn't excited to see that either. And it was probably two or three episodes into that before I was like, oh. You know, like, I didn't want it. I didn't expect it to be any good. And then when it was, it was, you know, it blew me up, blew my socks off. Um, I suppose this book could do that. Um, yeah. You know, what's interesting is that he's been continually knocked for doing everything in nine panel grids. Mm-hmm. 
And <laughs> here, I'm looking, and I don't see any nine-panel grids. There was more than I that, I see 15 wasn't panel yeah. grids. I see 12 panel grids. It's almost like he's thumbing his nose at the criticism by going even nuttier. Yeah, but on but, the one book where the thing comes from. And I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm squirreling. I, don't, I haven't come across a single nine-panel grid page yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is one in the whole book, which is interesting. That is interesting. They are all divided into that. No, it's all, all gridded. Yeah, but so, I mean, but it, it, so horizontally, you could they're in that sort of uh, three, uh, um, three same, tiers. Yeah, and so you could split it into nine panels, but he's just outside of it, which you know, given that it's a Washington book, is funny. I think that is funny. Yes, it's the place, the one place that you would expect it, and he's just he's not doing it. He's doing he's going even crazier. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, I didn't, I, I didn't finish it and go, wow, that was amazing. I, I finished it and I was, that was interesting and it was beautiful and I'm, I'm really interested to see more. But um, that's why I was sort of mystified by people's reaction to it, which I guess is. I, I mean, the, 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 I don't think the content has anything to do with any of the, you know, protestations. I think because the, but the, at the end of the day, the content's the only thing that matters. I mean, everybody talked about when, when we did before Watchmen. The huge complaint was, you know, you can't do this or whatever. And then, like, the book started, and it's like, oh, this won't matter. None of these are memorable except for a couple of them. Right. And 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 it's true. Like to this day, I don't think I read more than the first issue or two of most of them. Yeah, you know, they, and they came out. And they nothing. The world didn't end. They didn't end, and and also they made no impact. Like yeah. they 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 did they did not alter, tarnish, improve, affect the reputation or or sort of general thinking about Watchmen as a as a nope. they, they they came and they went and that was it. It made no impact. Even even the Darwin stories, which I liked, pretty much they're not part of the conversation. No. Um and fine. You know, like it, but that you know, this is what comics does. The comics, you know, it's mainstream superhero comics, they buy a thing and then they try to wring as much as they can out of it. And some of it might be good and most of it won't be. And 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 you'll move along, and and, I, and you this, wouldn't have this book if this if that show wasn't so popular. Sure, and and again, that show that show should have been awful. It should have been a thing, you know. But but that show really cared about the stuff it came from, and and you know, it was just it was just excellent. And that will be part of this, and in a good way. And I don't. It's one of those things that I don't feel terrible for Alan Moore in this. I just, I just don't like. He, he, he did this book. It was work for hire. Maybe he had some, he had some ownership of it, but it, you know, he didn't own it. And if you're, if you're Warner Brothers, DC, AT and T, whoever, you, you'd be, you'd be foolish not to try to capitalize on this property that you own. You'd, it would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but not everything has to be, you know, war and peace. Anyway, <laughs> on this issue, like, I, I just, I just didn't really know what to make of it yet. Uh, it it didn't it didn't really grab me one way or the other, um, so I'm. I'll, I think that's definitely that's definitely a thing. I mean, that yeah. that, that I, th- I think that's a thing with his books, which is interesting. But like when 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 it was Adam Strange, I was like, I'm interested in this character. I really want to see what he's going to do with it. When it was uh, Mister Miracle, same thing. When it was the Vision, the same. Although I was all in for the Vision from moment one. But um, I, I I don't know those those like those those characters tickle my fancy. Rorschach doesn't. Well, that's the that's to me that's the interesting thing is what yes. is this guy who is politically way different than Rorschach going to bring to the table if in fact it is Rorschach? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm looking at this as an Elseworlds story. If it turns out to be actually 
what's his Walter Kovac? Yes. Is that if it turns out to be actual Walter Korvac, 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 Korvac. Korvac. the Walter Korvac yeah, saga. With, with if it turns out to actually be him, I'm not going to get upset about it because I'm not. I'm not looking at it as quote unquote in continuity with, with Watchmen. I'm just looking at it as an entertaining comic book that I'm hopefully going to read. Yeah. I also could have made a case for Captain America 24. Tanya Hesse Coates, Daniel Cunha. This Joe was Caramania. close out of out of the mainstream stuff. Out of, you know, out of the Marvel stuff. This was probably my my second. My would have been my go to. Um, we're, we're barely towards, I think, where he's been trying to get this whole time, which is issue 24. I'm assuming 25 is the big confrontation where Red Skull will return as he has been uh, clawing his way back into reality from the head of Alexander Alexander Lucan. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we've you know, in the last issue, Sharon was revived as a young woman again, and now apparently she's triathlon. <laughs> she has enhanced abilities she has like the power in her of all the previous people who were also whatevered yeah uh uh she uh, absorbed by the other by the super villain who absorbs the energies of other people right so she, she has like their power in combined power in her so she's stronger she's faster she's more agile she's and so i was like hey it's triathlon, triathlon. they also she, she also has their their rage and frustration yeah which, well, which she's back, but she's not quite the same. She's yeah. different. She's been she's been woke. So, I love this. I love the issue. I love the the, the skull stuff with the Lucans. I love the sparring. And... Did you did you like the boning? Because <laughs> yeah, there know. was there was boning in this one. It's just like she's got the lust of all those people in her too. Um, I, there were a lot of real, there were a lot of things to like about this, and this might have been the best Tanisi Coates Captain America I've read. Yeah, as he's starting to get to that. This arc has been great, but this issue in particular is good. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I, I like sort of where the character's going. I like Steve's role in this. He's like, this is good chicken. Why have we never had this chicken before? <laughs> and it, and it, there really was a tension in the way that he was like, well, what if we just, you know, like have this relationship? And it sounded like she was going to break up with him, mm-hmm. but that wasn't what happened, and I liked that. Well, he's had, you know, Sharon's been the Sharon's been the love of his life. Mm-hmm. Even when she was, you know, in Dimension Z and came out as older, they stayed together in a relationship. Um, and now that she's back to being young, she's a little different. And so it's, I think he's a little off. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, they're sparring, they're having sex, they're eating fried chicken he's never had before. It's like, it's like, it's almost like being in a new relationship with someone. Yeah. And uh, it's it's I think you can tell he's a little bit off. It's like what is what is actually going on here? Yeah, I like uh, so here comes a, a very big compliment and then a slight detraction. Um, I'm I'm reading this book. I'm a little ways through and I go, wait, this art is great. Is this flips back to the beginning? <gasps> it is Acuna. I haven't seen Acuna in a while. Yeah, I don't know where he's been, but he's always been one of my favorites, and it looked a little different than what I was used to from him. But I, I sort of got used to it, and I really like the way that he was drawing Sharon. Like at the beginning, she's she's like sort of leaning over, and she's got sort of big shoulders, and she's not she's all not lithe yeah. and shit. Um, and then the last page, there's a reveal. There's a reveal. I didn't like the last page, but because she's gonna get some kind of Iron Man armor, and her yeah. body is a completely different person. Yeah, it was a little inconsistent. I was like, Cap- whose big ass is that? That's. <laughs> Steve's face keeps changing throughout the book. But, yeah, there was some weird Lucan uh, faces, but I, I accept that with an Acuna. Um, yeah. 
I mean, but on a, on a style standpoint, he really is one of my favorite artists, and he's that, great on Cap. That last page is pretty egregious. Yeah. Um, it's like, she's a, is she short? She's so stocky. Yeah, it's a completely different person. Yeah. Um, but I really like this. I, th- I mean, I've been trying so hard with Tani Sakota's Cap. I just wanted mm-hmm. to love it. And I'm finally getting to that point. I think he's finally settled into the character in the worlds. And, uh, well, I'm excited for them. It is, it's very interesting. The, the, the sort of, uh, place where Ta-Nehisi Coates' politics come together with, with Captain America. And that is a, that is a tension there, I think, mm-hmm. which is, which can be very interesting and could lead to great stories, but could also not. And I think it was, it's been difficult to tell where he's going. I think that, I think the writer would probably say they're like, also, they've also still been hamstrung by this. Captain America yes. world that only exists in his book, which is where he's a bad guy to the world, which I, we've been talking about since the very beginning. Yeah. It's been terrible. Yes. And that's not really his fault. That's the fault of the event from he, that well, this book's he, Yes, but he also stuck with it. He could have dropped it at some point. I think Maybe. It's depends on, depends anyway. on how much editorial input there is. It's true. Cap, Captain America 20, Captain Marvel 22, Kelly Thompson, Lee Garbett, Tom Bonvillon, and Clayton Cowell. This is Another book I could have made pick of the week. Hmm. Um, it's funny because it, so this is the start of a new arc called The New World. And this book is kind of Kelly Thompson seems to like teams. Mm-hmm. Even when she has a solo book, she ends up putting a family of characters around that character. So this book is so, sort of settled into uh, Captain Marvel, War Machine, and Spider Woman and Hazmat. Because that's sort of her family, and so they're they've been in this book pretty consistently, and so here they're on a mission to to find this alien signal in the woods, and they find it's this giant ship stuck in the trees. So they go to investigate, and some tentacles shoot out of the ship, and they grab Carol, and then she gets zapped and wakes up in like a post-apocalyptic uh, snowy Manhattan, and I thought. Didn't we just put her in an alternate reality in the very beginning of the series? Like, I didn't realize that was twenty issues ago, but it feels they come out so often; it feels like it just happened. I, I've got, but go ahead. The Finish problem it. is, this was awesome. This is <laughs> the problem she is the, she gets sent into the future. Um, you know, she's with all the kids of the the heroes. She's with uh, Jerry, Spider Woman's kid who wears like a modified version of her costume with a furry cape because it's cold because the sun got fucked up. And she's with a bunch of the kids, uh, also a Phantom X, and also some other characters who are still around. Emma Frost is permanently in her diamond body. And mm-hmm. it it was awesome, even if the Lee Garbett art, who I really like, wasn't the best at showing older characters, which a lot of artists are just not good at. They, they, they have their models, and they sort of stick with them. Mm-hmm. So when a character would show up who was supposed to be older, except for um, Spider Woman, mm-hmm. like there's one point where Luke Cage shows up, it's just like he does not look like he's supposed to be 30 well. years older than he is now. But um, this was—I I love these kind of stories, these alternate future takes, these—you know—what what could possibly happen in the future. And uh, you know, I like seeing all the kids. If, if you if you follow this sort of world, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing a lot of you know characters who you think might be together with with their kids and. You know, at one point there's Kate Barton, Katie Barton, who's, you know, Clint's kid with somebody, and it's just I just love that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that sort of legacy aspect of the you know the future, 
the heroes keep on going with their children. And it was fun. I mean, I, at first I was like, again, but then by the end of it, I was like, that was awesome. I can't wait for the next issue. So I've I had a stack of these piled up because I wanted to catch up. Because I, I want to read them. Yeah, I, I know, which is why I I just haven't. Um, but boy, I like Lee Garbett. There's a there's a page on on page five, uh, where where it's uh, Spider Woman like kind of upside down in a tree. Yeah, that is an that is a lovely composition of a whole page, and and around the panels, her body sort of wraps around the panel in between the panels. It's, yeah. it's a good page. And then that sort of next panel after that, you know, she her silhouette is dropping down in the background. I mean, it's, it's a it's a really nice drawing, also. Uh, that's great. I mean, if you've got a stack of these, and you, you, honestly, you can just jump on here. This is the yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was I was going this way, but yeah, I really do want to catch up to it. And it's funny, you know the characters, you, you know the relationships. Yeah, and you said that you know the thing about having that family. I feel like Kelly wants to have those characters be able to bounce off of each other because I think yeah. that makes it a lot easier to get through the story. And that's in, why, in, Luke, in Luke Cage's defense, he has impenetrable skin, so that true. also uh, to- toxics. And you know, maybe maybe that's part of his power. He doesn't age. Yeah, you know. But uh, you know, even in Kelly's Black Widow book, it's, you know, she's got Hawkeye and Winter Soldier to bounce mm-hmm. off of. I think she just she's really good at these characters, sort of, you know, being you know dantery with each other. And yeah. So I really liked this a lot. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. And cool. I really I also. Luke Cage showing up was a spoiler because he thought he was thought to be dead mm-hmm. earlier in the issue, but still, that's cares. that's impossible. I, it, it's one of those things that Captain Marvel should have always been at the forefront of the superhero movie thing. Like, she's such a great character, and yep. and she has been. I mean, like I have, I want to, I want to think uh, Kurt Busiek's Avengers stuff in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this character's great. She was Warbird then, but whatever, you know. Making her front and center in in so much of the Marvel stuff has al- always been a good idea, you know. And through the, yeah, I think it was Civil War too. Like she's she's up there with the big, big oh, folks. For sure. And I, I really want to, yeah, I want to get caught up. I I keep grabbing them every week, but I was like twenty issues behind, and I was like, eh. Yeah, and there's I been won't. there's been good arcs. There's been arcs have been fine. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty two twenty two issues. You've got a lot to to deal with here, but I, I enjoyed this one. Super. Um, yeah, and you don't need to know much more to jump on here. No, I don't think so. I, I'll I'll read this one. Although I just sort of flip through it and I kind of get what happens. Um, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> fine. Hey, uh, one of the things that keeps this train going, other than our inability to not do it, uh, is uh, the folks over at uh, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's right, the patrons. The patrons make many of these things possible. Um, and uh, we want to thank the people who do that. But also, you've been thinking, how should I? How can I help out? I like this thing that happens, and I feel like I'm not pulling my weight. Well, friend... I'm going to talk to you like a, like a Joe Biden text. Friend, in a minute, I'm going to ask you for a donation. But first. Oh, man. I, I hate to do this. I really, truly do. But you guys should know that Connor and I have made up an arbitrary uh, fundraising deadline that ends tonight. And so you're going to need to. We need your support right now. And then tomorrow there will be another arbitrary de- deadline, which doesn't mean anything to me or you. Uh, but you know what? We have to we have to close out this week and this month and this quarter strong, right? So or get, we're gonna get fired. It, oh, I mean, it's totally get over to iFanboy. I'm sorry, Patreon.com/slash/iFanboy. You will see the goals there. You will see the things that have happened. Our next stretch goal is some sort of GI Joe corner show, um, and then after that, the next goal would be a quarterly barbecue show, which is a thing we talked about. But there's so much that everybody has accomplished already. 
Also, if you like the media explodes, you might want to jump on or back on. Um, you, yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, you, well, we, we, we got close to the edge of the media explodes going away again, but, but then we ticked back up a little bit. So right. probably, probably okay, but, you know, there's always the chance those shows go backwards. I mean, a lot of the shows we do every month that we, you listen to are open by the patrons, and if the, if the support doesn't remain, then the shows go away. That's just the way it works. Yeah. But you know, like looking at the other side, the people who are there, the people who who are you know, they, there's talks blows, there's books blows, there's monthly hangouts. Uh, we've opened those up to everybody, but you guys made that possible. That's a thing. That's that's the thing that's happening. Um, I sounded like the most casual mafia boss there. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a shame if something happened in this podcast. You like <laughs> nice podcast you got here. Listen, friend, that's a nice books blow. Yeah. Uh, then uh, if you want some merch, would you like some merch? You can get over to ifanboy.threadless.com. There are shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, baby clothes, uh, shower curtains, phone cases, all of the things that they can print on. If they print on them, you can have one of our uh, eight designs on one of those items, and that, that you can do that. Uh, for the newest design, the most recent one, Stay Home and Read Comics, a portion of all those sales uh, will go to the Comic Book United Fund to help out retailers and such uh, during these horrible times we live in. Which uh, are not over and are still not, continuing. Not by a long shot. Nope. Uh, ifanboy.com slash support is a much more direct means of doing so. If you're like, hey, I want to drop something in the tip jar, I want to show my support, you can go over to uh, the direct donation link at PayPal. And then finally over at amazon.com slash ifanboy, you will find links to buy all the books, blowed books and things like that that we talk about and a general link uh, for you to get to Amazon. So if you're just going to do some shopping there and uh, you you would like to help us out and get a portion of it, that's a way to do that. So thank you to everybody who does any and all of those things. Um, thank you, friend. Thank you, friendo. <laughs> so in, uh, in light of, of trying new things, I read mm-hmm. Commanders in Crisis number one from Image Comics. Uh, this is written by Steve Orlando, a writer whose work I've never enjoyed in any capacity. But I thought maybe without the shackles and constraints of DC continuity and history, something new will emerge. Will How'd that go for you? Arise. I barely made it through this. <laughs> and I just wanted to point out, like, I made the attempt, and I think it's really odd that Image Comics, who who doesn't or didn't, you know, do superhero stories like it was. It's it was fo- at one point it was folly to pitch them a superhero story, right? Um, you know, other than a, just a couple. But apparently, if you are, you know, a guy who does you know the Justice League, then you can do that in Image. But I don't know why they would want that, and I don't understand. Steve Orlando clearly loves superheroes, mm-hmm. but a- as such, like this was just like this was like any book it was i think the the sort of structure quality level skill those things were all pretty good and high but as sort of a a a bunch of concepts you know like it just it just didn't stand out in in any way and i i was you know i i really wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt and i think there are interesting concepts in here but at the end of the day you know it was like a it was like a middling wildstorm series what was the pitch there's a bunch of superheroes. It's not unlike the boys almost, um, but without mm-hmm. any of the horrible stuff. So you've got you know sort of these new kinds of superheroes, and it's a team, and they they come along, and then as you you go through it, I'm gonna go ahead and give away the premise because that's all. Like I'm, at the end of it, basically the idea is that 
all of these superheroes are the last survivors of their Earth, and we are now on the last Earth. So he's taken the multiverse. So, so it, it's in the title, Crisis. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I really... I, I try to give it a shot, but, uh, you know, whatever whatever trip Orlando's on is not my trip. Um, but if you like the stuff that he's doing over at DC, you might very well like this. That's, it wasn't uh, badly done. No, no, it totally wasn't. Um, you know, but, I you know, I just thought, well, maybe it's a new take. Maybe it's a different thing. I, I, I barely made it. The Flash 763, I checked it on because, uh, you know, it's a new, new writer, new creative team. Oh, wow. Oh wow! And so I was like, "Who is that?" Well, let's see what happens. And I mean, there was no big announcement. You think after five, however many years, Joshua Williamson was on Flash, they would have been like, "Hey, here's a new team." And I don't know if this is the new team or just an issue, but this mm-hmm. is written by Kevin Shinnick, who is a robot chicken writer, which mm-hmm. I was not surprised to find out. Drawn by Clayton Henry, who Josh loves, and this was just a superhero story. Just it was like. It was really refreshing. Also, I, I could have possibly made the case for this. This was really enjoyable because it was. I'm just scrolling to the end. It's basically like a one-ish one shot. There's a, there's a little cliffhanger that's going to lead to more, but it's not. I don't. It's not really like it's it's a it's a self-contained story. This it starts and it ends by the end. So basically, the trickster somehow steals the Flash's ring. And uses it for business purposes. Like he he has an arcade that he uses to trick out to be all like the Flash. And the Flash tries to rough him up, and the cops are like he's not doing anything wrong. He's running a business. <laughs> and so his Flash has got to figure out how to <laughs> how to get his ring back, and also thwart what are pro- probably evil plans by the trickster while also doing. But the problem is he's not actually doing anything overtly illegal. Mm-hmm. It was just a one shot. It was a lot of fun. Clayton Henry's terrific, and it was it was really refreshing after you know, five years of the Flash stories to just, just sort of just sort of do one that is fun. It mm-hmm. doesn't really have a lot of weight to it. I wonder and, if uh, this is a start of a, of a new thing or or like they're just filling a little time until they can get yeah, to the next thing. Yeah, I don't know. Thing. That's a great question. Um, we'll see, I guess, going forward. But, uh, you know, it was, it's Kevin Shin- Shinnick is not a name I've ever heard before, although uh-huh. apparently he's written, written some comics. Um. And he, it was it was totally good, you know. It was fine. It was good. What do I know Clayton Henry from? You said I love him, and I didn't remember who he it was. He just did that Batman Superman story. Oh right, yeah, I do like this. I mean, I'm looking at it, and I was like, yeah, I do like this. But uh, mm-hmm. cool, that's fun. Yep. Hey, let's go to Star Wars corner. Hey, we haven't been here in a while. We haven't. We haven't. Dusty, there's cobwebs. Yeah, it's space cobwebs, but still, <laughs> those are the worst. Yeah, so uh, this is the Darth Vader book, and the reason <laughs> I, I wasn't reading this series, the reason that I read it uh, was that I didn't realize it was Darth Vader. I just thought it was the next Star Wars issue. And so I started, and they started talking about Podman. I was like, oh, no, this is the one I stopped reading, because um, that was the thing. The first five issues, I guess, were the arc where, I don't know, because I only read the, I got I got annoyed that it was about, like, is Padme alive, but it's actually Sabe or whatever, and I said, I'm not reading this. Um mm-hmm. But what this one is, is basically uh, Palpatine recognizing that there's, because of that last story, there's still weakness in Darth Vader because he mm-hmm. still cares about, you know, whoever the lady is. Right. And Palpatine just fucks him up. 
He cr- he's he's trying to show him. He's like, you think you're tough? And he, he uses the force. He lifts him up. He chokes him. He's like, you choked all these other people. Check this out. And and then he crushes all of his robot arms and drops him off on Mustafar. And he's like, Yikes. you can't use the force and you can't use your lightsaber. Good luck getting back. And I was like, shit, that's harsh. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't reinventing the wheel or anything, right. but uh, it was kind of fun. And it's one of those things that it doesn't really affect any of the plots or the stories or the background. It's just like, boy, the, the relationship between the uh, Dark Lord and the Sith leader, it, it's a problem. It's not healthy. <laughs> no, it isn't. And so, you know, it was kind of fun and uh, not, you know, unexpected, I guess, in that I I hadn't planned to read it and then I hadn't planned to keep reading it and then I kept going and it was fun. I, I kind of like the Empire stories that are about just seeing how shitty like they I like I loved like there was a Grand Moff Tarkin storyline, you know, where it's like, whoo, he's he's a bad dude, you know. <laughs> and, right. Uh it it just shores up the fact that, you know, we've been told forever that these characters are super evil, you know, but every once in a while we get to see it. And it's not even about like hurting innocent people. Like they're shitty to each other. And that's fun too. So you, is it enough to get you back on this series? Yeah, you know what? I might, yeah. Darth Vader fights with those Crimson Guard guys who never mm-hmm. did anything. And that was fun too. It's a good time. I dug the art. I liked it. So those are the comics we want to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. <laughs> and this week, the winner was Warhammer 40,000 colon Marnius Calgar, number one. A licensed comic from Marvel. <laughs> or, parentheses, we really are not trying to bring in any new readers whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Kieran Gillen, who is a noted, avid tabletop gamer. And art by Jason Burroughs, who we last saw on Moon Knight. Colored by Hava Tartaglia. And letters by the omnipresent Clayton Cowles. And, yeah. Um, you ever play Warhammer 40,000, Josh? No. No, I've uh, seen it at a distance in stores. Yeah, it's a table. It's a very popular tabletop series. Yeah, it's and other, been around forever. Other media as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played tabletop book games. I, I think once or twice Dungeons and Dragons. I certainly there was a period of time in high school where my friends and I played Star Wars role tabletop a lot, but um, never Warhammer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. All right, first of all. Jason Burroughs is, is good. He's mm-hmm. we, I like his art a lot. It really worked here. I thought this was, the book looked really good. The characters were interesting. I think there's a lot of giant mecha armor. Not mecha, but there's a lot of giant space marine armor here. And it looked cool. And the, you know, the battle scenes were cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'd want to keep reading this after reading the first issue. Well, I was surprised. I was, I guess, I was pleasantly. First of all, there was a thing where it was going to be th- this book or Rorschach, and I and I was like, "We're going to read Rorschach." <laughs> and so at the end, at the, I was like, "Well, I'm pulling for Warhammer because you know, same same reason I'm talking about the pick of the week." Like I was like, "All right, give me something different, give me something new. Let's let's try it." And and then I I get to it and and like that title that title just doesn't fuck around. Just like no. I just now, you were about to read it out loud, and I started laughing. I was like, "Wow, they're just—they're like we're only going after these people. Like they—they're right. they're just like maybe we can get Warhammer people to read comics, and that's all that they were trying to do. It wasn't yeah, about bringing Warhammer book. to the masses. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fine. And I saw Kieran Gillen, and I thought, oh, he loves this shit. And yep. then I saw Jason Barrows, and I was like, oh, he, or, or Burrows, and I was like, he's he's great. This will be this will at least look cool. And it totally did. Yeah. Um. And and like they didn't they didn't skimp on the talent. No, and, and so that so that was interesting all on its own. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as you get into it, the story, you know, it, it it did what the title and the cover did. It was like this is what it is, and like like. Gillen in his full glory, you know. Oh, you you can tell he's having a ball. The, the problem yeah. for me was, as someone who doesn't know, oh yeah, the world. I didn't know what the hell was going on, this what the stakes were. I mean, I mean, the, I guess the idea is, is this world is a perpetual, this universe is a perpetual war, but like, it, so we we have this Mar Marnius Kylegar character who was like the baddest ass space space marine. Mm-hmm. And we see him in the quote-unquote present as an older man with gray hair in his war marine outfit, you know, leading his battalion with his C-3PO-esque sidekick uh, who's chronicling his adventures. And then we flash back centuries earlier to him as a child. So that was confusing because I, I don't know the world. Do the people here live for hundreds of years? I when earlier we said the, the – the, we said – at some point it says like the human lifespan is like 50 like it was like 35 was like the average lifespan, but so that was a little confusing. And then, so I guess it's it's a combination of his origin story because we're going to see him train to become a space marine while also seeing him as a space marine. I just didn't know anything else beyond that, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was compelling enough to want me to keep reading it. I think you're right. I'm not knocking it. It was no, not yeah, a bad yeah. comic. No, I was, that... just, I was like, I don't know what's going on. No, that's totally it was a lot of jargon. I think I I think that I appreciated this on the level of it was what it was. It wasn't trying to be anything else. And I feel like if you like this, you would really like it. But also, there was just a simply a level of it was like these people seem to be having fun with this, and I don't really like it or care. But I can appreciate that much about it. I guess um, uh-huh. I really liked the flashback stuff way more than the present stuff. You know, which is you know the building of the warrior, the doing whatever, and well, I mean, it's you can understand the stakes yeah. of that particular story. It's exactly, this kid really wants to be a space marine, and his friends are assholes. Whereas <laughs> in the present day, I was like, I don't. Why are we? Who's being shot? What is? What's a heretic? Like, give me something. Give me just a nibble. If I don't know these, if I haven't read all the source books mm-hmm. and all the you know from the game itself, give me just a nibble of what the fuck's going on here. Well. I think some of it was there, but again, you had to work for it. I think if you if you remember, Gil, I mean, it was based sort of on the Roman Roman Empire, sort of. It sounded like you know, so the 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 um, the heretics is sort of anybody who's not part of their sure. their thing. And then then there was a Greek thing where uh, his friends and I had trouble knowing exactly, but they were talking about the Helots, which is yep. like a Spartan thing. And and rem- remember, a long time ago, Gillen did some. Three, did, four yeah, issue a, Spartan uh, series three, yeah, yeah. That was so. There's the he he was just he was just reveling. I can I can almost see Jamie McKelvey rolling his eyes from here. Um, <laughs> it was uh, you know. So I think I kind of enjoyed reading it, but didn't really like it, and I'm not going to read more. That's kind of you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Like every once in a while, you'll see a band like a like a cover band. You're like, oh, those guys are having a lot of fun. All right, let's go. You know, like I'm happy for them, <laughs> but I don't know if that translates to a good rating. I'm more likely to want to try the tabletop game than I am. Yes, read a more comic, and I guess in that sense, Win-win. whoever the whoever paid for this is happy because that's what they want. They want you to they want you to spend money on their products. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Again, I, it wasn't bad. I was just like, no. I just, I just wish I had more of a lifeline into what was going on here and why anything matters. But it's also the first issue. Yeah. The question is, Josh. No. Will you be sticking no. with? No. No. <laughs> they didn't. And... They didn't try to get me at all. <laughs> there was no. There was no attempt. Like you had to be in. You know. This, you have this to respect is, that. This is like like take some. Okay. I am a fan of of the rock band Dinosaur Junior. I know that if they come out with a new album that is great, you don't want to listen to it. It's mm-hmm. just for me and people like me. People are like, where should I start? I was like, I don't know. You probably won't like it. This is like that. Right. You know, it's, it is it is what it is. It's for the people it's for. And God bless them. <laughs> Ratings out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Three? I don't, yeah. Whatever. I mean, Throw a dart. It was, dart was terrific. Gillen's having a ball. I'll throw him a three. There's a, there's a guy making his way in comics his way. You, you got to give him that. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you do? I just I just do I do ancient Roman Greece. I do <laughs> I do uh, RPG. And occasionally Star Wars. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Go for it. I don't understand a damn thing he does. Musical magic. Yep. Fantasy shit. That's so. been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown, and we always love watching the votes as they come in. We have a we have our little Google sheet. We get to see them come in live, and it's a lot of fun. If you give it the five dollar higher level, though, you get your own superpower live on the show, like these two fine gentlemen. Charles Taggart has power over over colloidal substances. Over colloidal substances. <laughs> there was a that was a there was a fat lip problem more than anything else. <laughs> over colloidal substances. So. If it's liquid or a solid, he's got nothing going on with it. But uh-huh. but pudding? He can move pudding around like Magneto does metal. Okay. Jello? Why don't you explain to people what that word means who may not know? Well, if I get this wrong, then I'm going to get an email from Ryan uh-huh. in moments. You're going to get it anyway. Sure. Are you, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> It's My understand like. is that yeah no it's it's not liquid it's not a solid it's that you know the things that are in the middle of that so mm. I don't know that I have the words to describe it other than say pudding hair, what about wet hair gel I don't know if that is because it it well because like wet cement is like different parts of things mushed together mm. you know like it's it's like there's there's the liquidy bits and then there's the solid bits and then. Right. That helps them. Move. I'm I'm not really sure where the line is that it has to be mixed. Uh, so he controls the substance. He doesn't create. He can't make me like no, a chocolate no, no. pie. But no, he, he, could, he, he could move. Yeah, he can manipulate it. He has. Oh. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No, he can't control the level of colloidalism. I don't think. So and he, he can't aerate it. He can't turn it into like mousse. Well, not. I mean, he could, but just the normal way that anybody would. <laughs> He's not he's not he not able mix- he can use a mixer. <laughs> but but like say that just just say for example, you're having breakfast, you're with Charles. Oops, I've knocked over my yogurt and he magnetos that shit. He's like sucks it back up into the into the container and no mess to clean up. Yogurt's also colloidal. Yeah, yeah. And also you know, like if that yogurt dries out, it's going to be hard to clean up. Sure. Yeah. Go on. Kevin Quidor is super absorbent. Well, I'm seeing a team-up opportunity here. 
So he, you know, if you spilled some water, he just put his hand on this on it, and it would just absorb all into him. Does he keep that? Does he have to pee afterwards? Does yeah. <laughs> later on, it's like ooh, ooh. <laughs> and is it his whole body or just his hands? No, it's the whole body. The, th- the great thing about it is, I'm, like, I'm, he, I'm already seeing benefits. He has terrific skin because mm-hmm. he's just constantly moisturized, and he's 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 full of liquids. <laughs> but you have to—he's terrible on car trips, though. He's constantly having to go to the bathroom. Here's the question: Is it um, is it passive or active? Like, is he always like if you're in the car with him afterwards, you're like, I'm so dry, and he's like, I'm feeling good. <laughs> It's 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 passive, unfortunately, for Kevin. Ooh, that's rough. Uh, so, so all like, his shit's gonna dry out. Yeah, and if he just if he's walking through the rain, mm-hmm. um, he really has to pee. <laughs> I think that I changed this on you, and then yeah, you and went he, with and, it. Like, forget swimming. You know, <laughs> where'd the lake go? <laughs> just like, oh god, where's the bathroom? <laughs> You've cursed poor Kevin. <laughs> Sometimes it's a curse. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a curse. Uh, wow, we got um, punchy at the end of the show. Oh, that's good. It's good. It's real good. So it's a good time to dive into two serious emails. Yes. Seth M. writes and says, how come you guys don't keep up with comic book news? It's not a criticism, more of a curiosity. We say it a lot that we don't. And here's the, the, the thing is, if you're new to iFanboy in the last seven years, we... Spent 13, 13 years covering the comics news on our website. 13, 13 years. So we are veterans of the comics news game. And I would say, humbly, that we, we know it pretty well. It hasn't really changed since we stopped doing it in 2013. And the reason is because there isn't really any comic book news. It, it's all public relations. It doesn't matter. It's marketing and sales and everything else is outside of that scope isn't all that compelling or interesting. Occasionally, sure. By accident. And there's often good interviews. Josh still does great interviews Mm -hmm. with creators. But like 90% of what you see, if you lined up all the comic news sites on one screen, you would see the same headlines in different versions because all it is is Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, Etc. Send out a press release. These sites take them, rewrite them, and put them up. So and so creator is on a book. Such and such yeah. character is coming back. Event is coming. Publishing schedule. Publishing plan. Blah blah Ages. blah. Um, it's look. It's fine if you like it, but it's just you know it's not interesting. And also, comics live on a three month sales cycle. So yeah, that's true. They're they're trying to get you to buy and be interested in comics happening three months from now. And I don't want to know what's happening three months from now. It's one of the reasons why I hated previews mm-hmm. um, was that I think, I think previews broke the industry having previews widely available. Cause it started off as a catalog for the stores to, to uh, order their content. And then they started giving it to the, to the customers to order three months ahead of time. And now, everybody who read it knew what was coming three months ahead. So no one really cared about what was happening now. They were always looking three months down the road. Mm-hmm. It was constantly like, what's get to get to that point. And no one ever cared about what was happening right in front of them. So I think it's actually detrimental to enjoying comics. I think to know what's constantly coming. I enjoy comics reading way more, not knowing because it, again, when we were doing iFanboy fanboy full time as a 
going concern and we didn't have any choice, you know, we, we constantly knew what was coming. So it was not, it, it made the reading less enjoyable. Now I don't know what the hell's coming. I don't know who this Kevin Shinnick guy is writing for Flash. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was announced as the writer of Flash. I don't know what his plans are, if he's even the writer of Flash. I just know that I picked up the book and I was like, oh shit, who's this guy? And, and I'll tell you more, something, I know even less oh. than Connor does. Right, because I'll, I'll occasionally look to make sure no one important has like died. Yeah, yeah. And so this is the other thing. So there's that sales and marketing thing. And then the other side of it is rumors and personal right. like like junk. And listen, it's interesting, sort of, but kind of. But it's, picking out anything of that that actually means anything is is pretty tough. And and then it also it's a little sleazy to me. Like it feels a lot like people people don't just like comics. They like like the world around them and everything and they want to feel like they're inside that so that the, all the people on the internet can talk about well what's really going to like you know it's just that it's speculation and yep. it, it's not the greatest part of the industry and I don't like I, I tend to not like to focus on it now listen I'm not I'm not immune to being like hearing gossip and be like ooh you know but you know because I know I know I know a lot of people I know you know and it's it's kind of interesting and we've 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 met people we don't like we've met people we do um for example a couple of I think this is actually a real story you know when Tom King came out and said I'm not going to work with Jay Lee you know and Jay Lee was like I I don't know anything about this that was interesting because mm-hmm. because of several reasons it brought up the question of like where do we draw the line at how we talk about those people whose name I'm not saying, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, like what is the reasonable approach is, is Jay Lee, is his ignorance an excuse? Did Tom King go too far? How do we, you know, promote our comics? That's kind of interesting. Um, the, the, the bit of, there was another one like that. The thing with dynamite, um, mm-hmm. you know, working with those same people like there, I think there's reporting to be done around those. And then finally the last bit, why not? Cause all of the news, that is anything like actual news comes from about two or three people and they've been doing it for years and I don't really think they're very good at it. it. It's just not, it's, it's 90% press releases and I get it. Yes. It's entertainment journalism. All entertainment journalism is 90% press releases, TV journalism, movie journalism. But uh, like for instance, it's always fun to me because we're on several journalism, so, so several press release lists. So like I get the HBO Max press releases mm-hmm. And it's like I go three, two, one, and then I get the deadline email yep. of the rewritten press release. It's like that's that's what entertainment journalism is. Um, it's just not that exciting. Uh, yeah. I, I don't find any benefit to my comic reading to be kept giving it's, up on the news. It doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. It's me. also just incredibly repetitive. Once you once you start ignoring it, you realize that you're not missing anything. Yeah. It, that, I, and and occasionally when something does happen that's yeah. important, it breaks through and we, you know, someone – sees it but for the most part it's movie stills you know <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just not interesting to me you may find it interesting and this you, you know we're, we're in a different position where we were inside of inside of the bubble for a long time so we we, we were there so if you were, if you're not inside the bubble and you want to be inside the bubble then you might find it more interesting than, than we do all right let's do one more nick g writes in and said i just got finished with 750 episode 750 and something Connor said stood out to me. He touched on how we should focus our ire on piraters who, to help save the me- medium. As a former pirater, I'd like to disagree. I'd like to point out right now, as the person reading this question, that I'm giving him his moment. People who pirate do it out of necessity, not preference. 
When I had a low-paying job, I got back into comics by illegally downloading them. When I got a better-paying job, I started going to my LCS and my collection started. I have since stopped getting single issues and moved to trades and commissions from artists. My question is, if the pirating stopped, do you actually think those people would pay for issues? And do you think that that would make the industry that much more profitable? I do want to say that I didn't say we should focus on IR to help save the medium. I was drunkenly joking that digital people and print people should stop fighting and focus their energy on the pirators. And it was mostly a drunken joke, but I never said to help save the medium. That was not something that came out of my mouth. Um, let's take his last questions. So I, I do want to preface this by saying everything we're about to say is not coming from a high horse of piety. We've all pirated things, especially in the early go-go days of Napster. I certainly pirated music for a couple of years and then, and then stopped. And I've, I've not pirated anything in well over 15 years. Um, never pirated comics, but music for certain. I have pirated early... comics that I already own so that I didn't have to scan them. I don't know if that's okay or not. For the show. Yeah. So. They're better at scanning than me. So, um, <laughs> you're not going to get us to agree um we used to have giant fights on the website that we just talked about when we we would do stories about pirating um so the questions do you think if people actually stop pirating they'd pay for comics no i don't i think some would i think there's a small percentage would but i don't think i don't think it's like suddenly every pirater would stop paying buying comics i don't think that's i think it's just people taking free stuff yes would the industry be more profitable like a tiny bit but not noticeably Agreed. Because again, I think it's just people taking free stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not people. I mean, I, there's a small percentage like Nick who, be, who stop pirating and become uh, legal buyers, but I think most people are just it's just taking free stuff that's out there on the internet. And th- those numbers, if you see the pirating sites, dwarf the sales of the, the actual sales mm-hmm. of the books. I don't think suddenly all the books would quadruple in in no. in revenue. Um. I'm sorry. I just, I mean, it's, it's, you're never going to get me to say that it's, you're, it's okay to illegally download something. No. It, it, and it's I mean, the, the thing at the beginning, I think, uh, sec, you know, was basically is people who do it pirate out of necessity, not preference. And, and, or, or basically the idea is I didn't have enough money, but I wanted it. Well, right. that doesn't work with any product in the world. It, it doesn't, you can't, well, I, I really want that Porsche. I can't have it. I can't afford it. Now, many questions of the economic society and fairness and blah, blah, blah. Not to do with that. You want a thing and you can't pay for it, so you found a way to take that thing. And I will tell you right now where this whole thing falls apart. I stopped buying single issues. I moved to trades and commissions from artists. Talk to any of those artists you get a commission from and ask them if if they're okay with you pirating comics because you couldn't afford them. Mm -hmm. Not a single one is going to see you as anything but somebody who is taking away from their livelihood. Because yep. you've got a million people downloading comics. If 10,000 of those people, a tiny fraction, paid for some of those comics, that makes the difference between making a living or not, especially for independent comics. Or cancellation or not. Cancellation or not. Like It's infinitesimal. And while most of that is not directly harmful, it creates a culture of harm, and it's mm-hmm. stealing. And, and and I like and I say that because these are not rich people. This is I mean, 
I'm not saying it's any more okay if you do it with a big movie. It isn't. But nope. I know that the the margins of making a living on comics are so thin, and especially for people who are trying to make a living doing independent comics, especially through the 2000s, this was really detrimental to them. And I think of all of the creator-owned series and stuff that might have survived or lived longer, you know, had some more people bought it. But they didn't have to because somebody came along and scanned all the comics and put them up on the internet for quote-unquote free. And I'm never going to be okay with that. Comics aren't food. Exactly. You yes. Know, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, you can't afford food. I'm okay with you stealing it because you need to survive, food to survive. You don't need comics to survive. They're not, if you, just because you want a thing doesn't mean you get to have a thing if you can't afford it. That's Josh said with the Porsche yeah. analogy. I'm sorry. It's just that's the way it is. And uh, for us. And, you, and you're justifying disagree. it. You're, you're saying, well, now I pay for things. So, well, there's not a statute of limitations. You know, like right. I used to I used to burgle homes, but now I don't. Well, it, you still did, you know, like and no, it's not, you know, as as damaging as something like that. But it is in the same, you know, theoretical realm, I suppose. And and I can I can see how this affects people who I know. And I, I it's not OK. It's not OK. I, I know. Look, I, I told people are allowed to change and, and repent. Yeah. And like I used to burgle homes, but I feel terrible. And now I don't do it anymore. And I was young and stupid. But. I, I I almost never hear that from pirators. I hear justifications and I hear uh, rationalizations. And if you go back mm-hmm. to our website and search any pirating story, Jimsky did a whole series of art, of interviews with pirators, and the comment sections were just just apocalypses of people justifying illegally stealing comics because they they didn't want to think that they were doing something wrong. So they were doing right. every boy. Does that sound familiar? So using every mental every, gymnastic yes. to get to that point. Yeah. Yes, and that's what was happening. And and. You know, that as a habit, that's no good. You need to take, you know, like, ugh, I'm gonna see, you said you wouldn't get on a moral high horse, but I'm really good at doing that. That no, is, so I, I said we, we would be on a moral high yeah. horse, but it's coming from a place of people who, like I said, have in the past downloaded mm-hmm. music. I feel bad about sure. it, and I haven't done it ever in, in 15 or 20 years. I, even. You know what? I will tell you how I justified that back then. I justified it back then where I said I would only download something that I couldn't get anywhere. Like, you know, there was like bootlegs or covers or something that you couldn't get on anything. And then if I got something I would buy, like if I got something I liked, I would go buy the CD. Which that, is just a justification. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's my point. Like, I, you know, that was wrong. And so what, what can I do? Well, I can admit why well, I shouldn't have done that. And B, I can stop doing it. And, and C, I can try to support those people that I was doing the opposite of supporting before. Um, right. And, you know... People make mistakes. You do, but you, you gotta you gotta own that mistake and understand it. I think. But the real question is, no, I don't think suddenly if pirates stop pirating, they would suddenly the industry would bloom. It's just there's just most people are just like there's a, people who pirate things like free things. Yeah, but I, you know what? Most. I think that here's the effect that I don't know that this has caused it, but I think that it influenced it um, as the the Marvel and DC became more preeminent. And sort of took over more of the industry and that lower tier of it, people can't make a living doing independent comics anymore. You know, they can sometimes if they go through, you know, they do a revenue share with Dark Horse or, or you know, Image Comics or something like that. That part of the industry has gone. Like, mm-hmm. like you've got Terry Moore. He's got to completely upend how he how he runs his business model. And I can't I can't but help but imagine on a comic book that survives on a threshold of eight, nine, ten thousand copies a month. When all those people who are on the fence and not sure can just go pirate it and take a look at it, that that is 
I, I think that's making an impact. And I think that's why the uh, content landscape looks like it does today to a certain extent. Yeah, and I've heard I've heard every justification under the sun in their time when I fanboy. You know, like yes. oh, I didn't I wanted I wanted to see it first before I bought it. Like no no other place do you get to do that. You don't get to uh, pirate a movie before you decide you're going to go buy a ticket to see it. You it's buyer beware. That's that's the and system. Then the, that's how it works. The, my my personal favorite was well, there's free at libraries. Well, the libraries pay for the one copy or the right. two copies, and that's how many people can read it at a time, and is not the same thing. It's not even close no, not to the all. same thing. No. Right now, if I want to listen to an audiobook from a library, I have to wait in line because <laughs> somebody because they've only purchased this many licenses, so that's many people have to be using it. Now, I can tell you right now, I understand that you can clone a digital file a million ways, and it won't you know won't change anything. But that's that's in order to have content exist, people have to pay for content. Or it gets worse and worse and worse, and that's uh, that's not good. Then we live in a future where it's just people yelling at you on YouTube. Yep, and then I have to leave Facebook because I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so there you go. Thanks to Nick and to Seth for writing in. Both of both of the emails taking us to task in different ways. Those are always fun questions to answer. Contact at ifanboy.com is where you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like the shows that we do? Well, there's other shows as well. Again, thanks to the patrons from earlier. Uh, I previously released a Talksplode episode, which is our interview podcast uh, with the uh, writer cartoonist uh, Jean Lun Yang. Um, that is up there. One hour, 22 minutes, 79 seconds different than the one before it, oddly, um, with Steve Lieber. Uh, and there's also uh, this week previous uh, Booksplode, our, our book review podcast, uh, mm-hmm. went up, and that is for Pulp, the new, I want to say Western, but it's not exactly a Western, uh, Western and crime story uh, from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And if I might say so, uh, I think they broke a little ground. They went to a slightly different place and gave us a, a little different than what we were expecting, but with still all the things you really loved. Um, and it was really fun short conversation so you should go check that out if you were curious about that book or just want to hear us talk about something else we didn't talk about here yep and then next week or this coming week you're going to get the animated brain trust discussion of batman death in the family dc's first interactive animated short and that's a very interesting conversation you can check that out coming this week and the following week again as we talked about last week we have a special edition show every week this month the the last week of uh, october you're going to have the media explode where we're probably going to, again, we don't know exactly what we're talking about, but Ted Lasso is going to be one of the main com- topics of conversation. So if you haven't watched that yet on Apple TV+, Plus, check it out, half-hour episodes. But you know what? You have to pay the $5 for a month or whatever, yep. seven-day trial. Watch Ted Lasso and, 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 then, and, and then get back to us or wait for the media explode and then get back to us. But we're doing you all a favor is what I'm saying yeah. right now. And then finally, after that, I don't know what dates or what. Uh, I think that will be before out. this. Before the media explode. After the, after the brain trust, before the media explode, we have our monthly hangout. Uh, it's for the patrons. We open it up to everybody while we're still all locked down. It's October 24th. It's gonna, the main hangout's going to be two hours long, but the pre-show's also going to be two hours long. So it's going to be four hours of hangout time. If you want to do that, October 24th, it's a Saturday. And... Details will be found on our website and or our social media channels, but it's usually the Hangouts itself starts at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. That's usually when it happens. The official show. Yeah. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. Also, I may have made a mistake doing the two-hour Hangout because so far half of the guys who usually come can't make it. Head over to ifanboy.com to find all the podcasts. 
that we just talked about. They're all there, all of our old shows. In fact, if you want to go back and read, as we talked about, all the old articles are there, and you can find all the old uh, interesting discussions about pirating at ifanboy.com. Find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy and following at ifanboy on Twitter and at ifanboy comics on Instagram, which also features the best of the week of panels feature. And individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. And I also want to point out, again, neither one of us are on Twitter. So don't try to ask us questions there where you're not going to get answers. Also, don't DM us questions. Just send an email to contact, contact at for the show. That's that's the best way to, to get, get to us. Yep. Hey, hey, we have a YouTube page, youtube.com slash ifanboy. Didn't update this. It's okay. We've been up. To, we've been uploading our old video shows, the minis from 2008, and the old video show from full length show from 2007. They're being uploaded three times a week. The mini from this past week was the uh, mini about me finding old Kirby Captain America comics at a small town auction. Then there was the full length show that was the first year anniversary show. So we we returned to the top five trade paperbacks you should own. So this was another top five. This was like the next top five. I believe that's where New Frontier came into play. And then finally, uh, we had a voicemail show, the semi-regular voicemail show, which is always fun. We, we answered voicemails with no prep whatsoever. Mm. So that was always fun. As opposed to normally. <laughs> well, <laughs> normally, we know what's in the script. Ron would just pull voicemails, and we, you and I would have no idea what was coming. That's fun. Also, it totally... requires less work. If you like this show, <laughs> write us a review. See what, you, see, what we did there was we turned a lack of time into a marketing point. Sure. That's brilliant. If you like mm-hmm. this show, you can write a review or leave a star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever else. That's the thing. I think Amazon has podcasts now, and yep, we're on we're there. Right there. And I, I'm sure that you can leave a review there if you want to. Um, or, or YouTube. That's another place where that can happen. Uh, better yet, you can tell people about us, your friends, your mom, your comic store owner. If your comic store owner doesn't really know or like podcasts or care about it, I don't know that they're paying enough attention. I'm not saying they have to like us, but they should know about it um, because it's a good source for uh, information about the books. But I don't know. I, I don't know what people should do. You could tell them, though, is the point. Or or social media, something like that. Uh, you know, we... Uh, we like when people let other people know about it, and it's it. I to this day, it is always surprising that somebody is listening who came on recently, and recently means within the last ten years. Like I'm amazed. There's, there's a lot of people like that. I know that, but it still weirds me out. In my head, I just assume that the people who are in the car are the people who were in the car at the beginning, minus the people who got out of the car, and I I. I just assume that's who it is, and I know that that's not the case. And so then I, I think, well, boy, we talk about a lot of things from the past that they would have no idea about, and that can't be any good for them. they they got to take their medicine. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> that's my favorite thing that's happened today so far. I'm Josh. I'm Connor. All right, have a good week. Take care of yourself and other people. Notorious henchmen from the north Striking niggas with a mason dicks and line cross